Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. I am Mitchell Kaminsky, and we are joined now by a special guest, Kevin Cook, who is a member of the coaching staff for the Big Ten West champion, Northwestern Wildcats. Thank you for joining us, Coach. Yeah, thanks for having me, having me on. I appreciate it. Well, first off, congratulations on the Citrus Bowl victory. Uh, was it a difficult decision for you guys to go to a bowl game? Because I know a lot of teams are opting out. Um, was there any question in your mind that you, for the team that uh, to go down there? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, it was a it was a long year, and it was definitely taxing on on the players and the staff. But I think um, you know, even and, and this comes from the top, is that we really wanted to kind of reward our guys with the bowl game. I think one of the things that gets lost is that. You know, it's a bowl game, and it's a little bit longer season. But you know, that's a reward for for the players and their hard work that they've had throughout the entire season. So, you know, when we got accepted in a bowl game, we were absolutely going to go. And uh, Coach Fitz made that adamant, and all the players did too. They really wanted to get down there and go, uh, go win a championship. So, before you came to Northwestern, uh, you were at Benedictine University, mm-hmm. uh, and you had a number of responsibilities there. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, that included coaching tight ends, running backs, and special teams. Uh, how did that experience help you in your role now? Do getting uh, experience yeah, with all those yeah, different the, position um, groups? Yeah, I mean, when you work at those smaller levels, I think um, one of the cool things about it is you wear a bunch of different hats. Um, not only coach multiple positions, but you also can be doing a lot of different things with recruiting, with um, with laundry if you have to, with equipment, whatever, it, whatever it may be. You kind of move around the office and, and, and the practice field and kind of do a bunch of different things and have a bunch of different responsibilities. So that's definitely helped me um, kind of learn and appreciate how much goes into, um, you know, the, the, the college football operation and how everyone um, plays a big part in, into the, our success, you know, looking at from our from our trainers to our equipment managers to our um, cafeteria workers. I mean, all that stuff is, is a huge critical part in, into our success. So, you know, having those different hats um, gives you great responsibility and a little bit more appreciation for everyone's job that's around. You mentioned recruiting. That's kind of become like the lifeblood of college football. It's almost an art now. When you were at Benedictine and helping with the recruiting uh, over there, what did you find was the best uh, way to recruit a player? Yeah, I mean, I, I think this kind of just stays consistent regardless of what school you're at. I mean, I, I believe I did it at every stop that I've been. And I, I, I've always liked just to be clear, concise, and and, and always honest with them. I know, um, you, you know, there, there's a lot of different ways to to recruit and to sell your program. I just like being like being clear, concise, and honest. And then I kind of talk about three things. I talk about the people, the environment, and the input. Uh, I think those three things are the biggest things um, you really make a decision on, and not just for the school that you go to, but the, the life that you want, the job that you want. I think the people, the environment, and the input are really things that you make you, you make quality decisions on. Um, obviously, facilities and all the, the bells and whistles of programs and you know the, the things that the university they really sell on their their bulletin board and all that stuff like um all that stuff is good and great but what really matters is what kind of people you're going to be with what's the type of environment you're going to go go in every single day and then what's your what are you getting back what's your return of investment um and so those three things are really kind of what i've what i've focused on um throughout recruiting both at benedictine and here I know the John Harbaugh, there were stories of him. Like you hear crazy stories like climbing up trees or anything. You never had to pull out any uh, wild stunts like that, have you? <laughs> yeah, there's some crazy crazy stories out there. No, I, I haven't uh, swept over at any player's house or 
um, or climbing up trees or done anything like that. I, I mean, I, I like to have fun. I'm not, I, I, I like to enjoy conversations and like anyone else does and, and just be normal on the road recruiting. I think oftentimes that, uh, I think recruiters nowadays, like they, they put on this mask, like, and, and they try and be someone that they're not like, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be who I am. And I, uh, and I hope that that comes off in the right way. But, um, and if you don't want to be, if you don't want to come to our school, that's fine. Uh, and, and that's okay. The, the school is not for everyone. Uh, and I think people got to kind of learn how to accept that, that not everyone should go to your school and you shouldn't recruit everyone. I think that's just kind of a little bit more, um, more of what we kind of need heading forward. So take me through a normal week of prep for you and how did COVID this year, uh, affect it? If it did affect it or alter it, uh, at all? Yeah. I mean, obviously I think the, this, the COVID kind of affected everything, you know, obviously, um, not just in football, but everyone's lives, you know, and, and I think that was, it was, a, it was a, it was a drastic change for us. Obviously we got tested every single day. So our testing was, uh, at 11 a.m. every single day. So that was part of our daily schedule. Um, you know, and then everything just as small as like meetings, you know, we would do a lot of online meetings over Zoom. And then if we did meet in person, we, we would meet in bigger rooms. So it would be social distance rooms. We'd follow all the guidelines of uh, masking and socially distancing while we're meeting. Um, you know, we never met as a, as a whole team in person in, in our normal team meeting. We, in our normal team room, we, we did that in the field house. Um, so a lot of different just like kind of things like that. You know, we didn't have team meals together. Um, we had meals, but we had to grab and go, you know. Um, so all those, all those certain little things have been, were definitely different and challenging, um, and somewhat, um, somewhat draining. But, you know, looking back at it, it was, it was kind of amazing about how many people stepped up throughout the program from, um, you know, from trainers to doctors to strength staff to the cafeteria to, um, support staff to coaches to, to facility adjusting rooms. I mean, all that stuff is, it's been, it was remarkable to see everyone kind of come together and, and work for uh, the good of the group. Now, I know, do you have any thoughts on how the Big Ten handled this season? Because there's kind of an uncertainty. First, the season was canceled, then they decided you would play, and it was kind of changing from a week-to-week basis. Did that put any extra strain on uh, you guys, and do you have any thoughts on how the whole thing was handled? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the idea of not knowing what's going to happen you know, next week, I think that is a little bit mentally draining. And I think the players went through that. We all went through it. I think everyone kind of um, – Everyone went through that throughout this entire past year. So that's draining in itself. But I, I think there's a lot of opinions about how the Big Ten handled it. You know, if you really, if you really think about it, the, the, the people that were making decisions were, were focusing on making decisions for the, for the good and the health and the safety for our players. Um, and so you got to respect that. And they were working with some of the top doctors in the country. Um, and we're extremely fortunate that they decided to, to kind of continue it. It might've been last minute, but we got it done and we were able to finish off a season and, and, and have a great season at that. So, um, you know, as much as there was going on, you didn't know what was going to happen. You, you knew what was going to happen. You didn't know again, all that stuff. Um, I think they ended up kind of making sure of doing these daily testing every day for every big 10 team as they want to ensure the safety, the health and safety for our players. So, uh, we can definitely commend them for that. 
I know it was also kind of a unique year because there's no fans in the stands. And that's kind of what makes college football great is the yeah. atmosphere in a lot of the different stadiums. I know the Big Ten, obviously, you get, there's some great environments you guys play in. Did it provide you guys any sort of advantage, disadvantage, having no fans? What was that whole um, experience like? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't know about advantage or d- disadvantages. I think, um, you know, once you step on the football field and if you got a good team with a good culture – and guys who just want to win. Um, I think that's eventually quiet and there's nothing going on and it's kind of, maybe it's cold and windy and everyone's trying to find an excuse. Um, you know, I think it could have a factor, but you know, I think one of our linebackers said it going in this year. He just said, BYOJ, bring your own juice. And that was his thing. That was the motto for our defense too, is you got to bring your own juice. Wherever you go, this is it. This is where we're, we're entering a, an arena basically just by our, by ourselves. So let's go out there and let's go have some fun. And I think the guys kind of carried on to that. So when you're handed your assignment for the week, you're looking at a, a, a new team you're playing for the upcoming week. Uh, uh, when preparing for the game, what's the first thing you look for uh, when scouting a team? Initially, look at is going to be your personnel and then the schematics behind it. So, you know, personnel. You know, who who are their top guys? What are they trying to do? Are they trying to um, who, who are they trying to get the ball to? Uh, then that's obviously one of the biggest things. And then the second thing is obviously schematics. Are they, you know, what type of team are they? An outside zone team, inside zone team? Are they um, a vertical passing concept team? Do they like to throw it quick? Do they like to throw it to the outside? All that stuff um, kind of goes into play, and then you try and match it. Okay, well, what are they doing with their personnel within their scheme? What are they doing within their scheme within their personnel? And all that stuff is – um, kind of evaluated, and I think one of the biggest things, um, especially at this level, is trying to make make sure you're getting yourself in the right. Matchups, and I think you, you know, and I think a lot of that has to do with just making sure you're you're personally equipped um, within the scheme that you play. So, I think those are the two biggest things that we really look at. Were there any teams in particular that were uh, more difficult to uh, prepare for? We looked at them like, wow, that's going to be an especially tough matchup this week. Or they do a lot of, they give you a lot of different looks that's going to be uh, tougher to prepare for. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, obviously Ohio State, you know, they were in the national championship and I, well deserved. I think they were, they have a high powered offense. I think when we were, when we were going into play them, they were, you know, averaging forty eight points per game, uh, and they've done that for like three years in a row. Yeah. So. Uh, obviously, I think a lot of that is done with um, their personnel. They have some great athletes and some great talent, and uh, they're also extremely well coached. I know Coach Day and that entire offensive staff does a great job of um, designing plays and calling the right plays at the right time. Uh, and so they're obviously they've always been a been a challenge. We played them for the last three years, and um, it's kind of like a chess match going chess match going up up against that team. You guys were one of, speaking of Ohio State, you guys are one of the few teams that was able to slow down uh, Justin Fields. And I know you you primarily work on the defensive side of the ball, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm correct. So what went into preparing for him and kind of what you had to do to limit his success? Because, like I said, you're one of the few teams that were able to uh, uh, do, do so, I guess, this year. Yeah, he, I mean, he's a, he's a great player. Um, and he's got a bright future, too. I mean, he, he one, he's um, extremely talented. Uh, he's got a great 
great arm strength and he can extend a play if he needs to. Um, and he's really tough to bring down. I mean, I remember, you know, showing our guys and making tapes of our guys of how elusive he is and, you know, making tapes of him actually of, of guys wrapping up and tackling him. Uh, and so those are the things that, you know, we kind of looked at as trying to, how, how can we eliminate him, um, showing off his arm strength and, and then being elusive and, and expanding the pocket. Um, Cause he really was, he, re- he really is a great player. And, um, you know, for us, I think, you know, coach Hank, our defensive coordinator, um, who recently retired. I mean, he, he's a, he's a legend and he, um, did one heck of a job of, you know, masterminding a, a great game plan for us and, and, and then calling a great game too and making sure that we're getting in the right coverage at the right time. So it was an overall great performance by our players and, and our coaching staff. You mentioned uh, Coach Hank, uh, Hank, and uh, obviously last year, great uh, career. Was there anything that you took away from being able to work with him, and what what was he like to uh, work with as a coach? Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a guy that I'll always look up to, and um, you know, I'm I'm forever in debt for how much I've learned from him for the past four years. I, um, I mean, just a, just a stellar career has been all over the place and has had success every single where, every single place he's gone. Um, and I think the biggest, the biggest thing that I'll take away from coach Hank is the relationships that he had, um, not only with the staff members and, but with his players too. And, and honestly, it, it's just all about how much he cared, um, and how much he did not, did not need the spotlight and did not need, to be in front of people and he, he, he just wanted the good for the group and the good for the players. And, um, you know, that, that's something that, you know, you hope you can strive for one day is to, to one, be a guy like him and then have the, have the career that he has. So when you're going during the week, you're putting together the uh, film to use, what uh, specifically are you looking for to pick out and put in it as you're going through all the film? You're like, this is something they need to see, or this is like, what what type of things do you look for to put in that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's there's a lot, of, a lot of things. I think one thing that, um, you know, as a defense perspective, I think a lot of offensive coaches and a lot of a lot of offensive schemes, they, they really base their football around explosive plays. Um, and they want to get X amount of explosive plays per quarter or per game or whatever it may be. So, you know, an explosive play, uh, cut up for our players is huge because that kind of tells them, you know, what areas they want to attack. Um, you know, how are they getting these explosive plays? Is it, is it missed tackles? Is it poor coverage? Um, and where is it, where are they happening on the field? Are they backed up or in the middle of the field? Or are they having, you know, right when they pass the 50, are they taking a shot? All those certain things, um, are things that we evaluate and we want to make sure that our players see is making sure that they're getting, they're kind of seeing their best plays that they've seen. So we can make sure that we don't, we don't, um, we aren't susceptible to those plays as well. You guys have, I believe, seven players declaring for the draft. Uh, is there mm-hmm. any in that group? that stands out to you or someone that's going to fly under the radar that we should keep an eye on? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I think all, all those guys have done a great job. I'll, I'll just talk to the defensive guys um, just because I've worked with them the most, but you know, obviously Patty Fisher, he's got a lot of snaps under his belt as a, as a college football player. And he was, I mean, that guy lives and breathes football and he runs around and flies around and loves it. Um, you know, it was like he was born to play football. And, and I think he's going to have a great career. And then Greg Newsom, obviously our corner. Um, I think he was, 
one of the best cornerbacks in the nation this year. Uh, I think a lockdown corner. And I'm excited about him. And then one of our safeties, uh, J.R. Pace, who was a three-year starter for us. And he he was a guy who has some incredible talent, battled, battled a couple injuries in the middle of his career, kind of in spring ball time, and, but has has done a great job um, and, and cover a lot of space and has great um, ability to read the quarterback. So, yeah, I think those three guys on defense are I mean, they're going to be they're going to be fun to watch. And then obviously Ernest Brown, our defensive end, I, I think he is a guy who really came along. You know, we, we lost Joe Gaziano last year to the NFL and he was kind of our staple defensive end for so long. And he came along and did a good job of stepping in, into those shoes um, as a big body, strong, long and athletic defensive end um, who can kind of do a lot. I mean, he can drop in coverage if he needs to. So, all those guys have been have been great for us, and we're really looking forward to kind of watching them in the NFL. I know. I, I went to Wheaton North High School, so one of our best players from there was Clayton mm-hmm. Thorsten, who played quarterback uh, at Northwestern. Yeah, yeah. And he was the guy, like, you watch him, you're like, yeah, this guy is better than everyone else on the field. Yep. So, so throughout your ranks coaching, whether it's at Northwestern or back when you just got started, has there been a player that's, like, really stood out and been like, wow, this guy is different. Like, you can tell he's going to have a successful uh, career in football. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I I just think about you know a, a guy like that. I mean, I, Patty Fisher is a guy who our middle linebacker, and you know, the first time I met him, he just he screamed football, you know, and that's just kind of who he is, and that's it's just in him. Um, you know, I, I mean, all those guys that I just named are very up are, are close up there, and then you know, another one that's um, who I thought was just a a, a great competitor was. Um, Montre Hardage, he was a corner for us a couple of years ago and he's still in the league right now. And he was just a, just a great competitor, kind of one of those guys at, at the corner where he, he's kind of like one of a, a, a silent guy, doesn't talk too much, but he had a great ability and great technique and he's done a great job in the NFL and I'm, I'm sure he'll stay on a roster here. So I, th- I think that that group of guys and then Montre for sure. Final couple questions here. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the most underrated coaches in college football, in my opinion, is Pat Fitzgerald, and you've gotten to work with him. Uh, what's it like working under him? What type of coach is he? Um, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, just... yeah, I mean, he's, he's awesome. I mean, you know, what you see on TV is, is what you would, is, is what I see every single day. It's not different. He doesn't put a face on for the, um, for the media at all that that is who he is which i think you can really appreciate um and one of the one of the best parts about him is, is you can walk into the office and he he's going to be in a great mood regardless win loss or otherwise um he's going to be real with you he's not going to bs you um and he's he's always down to talk and, and have a conversation and that's something that i think kind of gets lost in, in this industry is he He's just like anybody else. He wants to coach football and have fun, you know. And I and um, with with how much success he has, he's done a um, an awesome job of kind of staying true to that. And that's something that you know you can you can really appreciate and really admire, you know, going forward in in, in your career and my career. I'm thinking about that. You know, that's something that I, I eventually want to emulate as well. Finally, this has been a hot topic on this show, mm-hmm. one of our more uh, highly contested debate points. Do you think the college football playoff uh, should expand? Uh, yeah, that's a good. Cl- that's a that's a good question. What do you What do you think? 
I do not. I think it. Yeah. I think you. We already know the best four teams usually, so I. I yeah. just think it'd be it's drawing it out for what we already know is going to happen, in my opinion. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm curious because obviously your team was. You guys are very close to upsetting yeah. Ohio State, so I mean, who knows? You let some guys extra teams in, yeah, just an upset. So yeah, I'm just curious to get your opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think I think it's a good debate and it's a fun debate every single year. Um, I, I, the one thing that makes college football great is every game matters. If it's the second second week against uh, a conference foe, if it's the last week against a, a rival, um, those games matter. Uh, and I believe if we continue to expand the playoffs i think the best part of college football gets diluted a little bit to where the week 10 game doesn't really matter anymore you know if you expand it to eight how much does rivalry rivalry week mean at the end of the season um i I like the idea of college football meaning something every single week it's a playoff every single week essentially so um no other sport has that, and I think it would be nice to see that continue. But you know, I I also think that I think it could be fine with with eight teams or whatever. I, you know, I I don't really know, but I, I do love the way the college football is set up right now, and yeah. I think it's uh, I think it's it's something that I think we all love to debate, but we rarely truly appreciate what college football is, and that's. That's every single week. It's a playoff game, you know. I I completely agree. Uh, agree. Before I let you go, actually, one last quick thing. You you mentioned um, it's kind of like the great. The, 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 that is what's great about college football. You have all the rivalries mm-hmm. and stuff. Has there yeah. been one atmosphere that you guys have visited, either in conference, out of conference, that with this stadium where you're you're on the road, where it's like, yeah, this is one of the better atmospheres we've uh, we've been in, or one of the coolest, I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean, I think well, probably. Um, you know, we played, we played Nebraska, uh, and we beat them in a double overtime game three years ago. And that was probably my welcome to big, big time college football. You know, that, I mean, that's 97,000 screaming in your face where your headset doesn't work on the sidelines and you're trying to communicate with your guys. So that was, that was a pretty cool experience. Um, you know, obviously Camp Randall at Wisconsin, we play them every year, you know, and, every other year at Camp Randall and that's a, a, just a great venue. Um Kinnick Stadium is is a one of the coolest places especially we played there at night we won the west, uh we clinched the west a couple of years ago in that stadium which was awesome and then so those those three I think in the Big 10 have been really fun to experience which are on the west side so those have all been great and I mean um nice thing about Big 10 is that you know I think every team's got a really great stadium and then uh, the Big 10 championship the venue that we play in at Indy. Obviously we didn't get the fans this year, but uh, two years ago when we played Ohio state, um, that was a great venue. Just, you know, I don't even know how many fit in there, but um, such a great experience to to have a bunch of, bunch of fans from both teams. And um, it was quite loud in there. So I think those four have probably been the biggest ones to stick out. Um, Yeah. And and hopefully we can get back, get back to that uh, here uh, next year. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Lincoln. Uh, I know I grew up a Nebraska fan. My brother goes there. Oh, you guys okay. have been brutal to the Cornhuskers these past couple of years. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good luck on the upcoming season. Uh, you guys got a great team last year. I'm sure you yep. keep it rolling uh, the upcoming season. So uh, thank yeah. you so much for joining. Go Cats. Awesome. I appreciate it. Go Cats.